We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack-A-Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack-A-Day Podcast. Remember, you can always subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And, of course, you can check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I'm here, as always, with Andrew Mertig. Andrew, it is Friday again. Welcome back for another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Yeah, great to be back. This is episode 751 of the Pack-A-Day podcast. We're super excited because we might actually get to talk about some football pretty quick. Uh, we we saw Hard Knocks debut this week. We know the Packers are practicing. We have some contract news that happened all around the NFL today. So lots of things going on, and we're we're inching a little bit closer to actual football. Yeah, training camp is right around the corner, and if you've been listening to the podcast this week, you know that we've begun a project to carefully preview each position group on this team. The Pack of Day team has covered most of the offensive skill players this week, so if you've missed any of those shows, make sure you go back to get caught up there. But today, Andrew and I are talking about the Packers' 2020 
offensive tackle group. This is a position that's really been on the Packers list of offseason needs for a couple of seasons. And it's always a position that we kind of speculate that Goody may attack aggressively in the draft or those kinds of things. And the Packers did address tackle this offseason, but quite a bit differently, I think, than most would have expected. And so I want to start the show by talking about those departures a little bit that took place at tackle on this team because they're significant. Um, As good as he was, Brian Balaga was probably one of the most underrated and underappreciated members of this Packers team for a long, long time. And I think Many Packers fans wanted him back in the fold, even as that aging veteran player. I was definitely one of those fans, but the Packers, with so many things up in the air and upcoming contracts to pay out, did decide to forego paying Balaga this offseason. Instead, he signed that three-year, $30 million deal with the LA Chargers this spring, which honestly does feel like a very reasonable contract for one of the best right tackles in the game. And I was, I will be watching HBO's Hard Knocks just to see if Tyrod Taylor and Justin Herbert to appreciate what they have in number 75 there. So um, I am not bitter at all, but uh, moving on. Um, I think a lot of fans thought that Green Bay would go ahead and bring back Jared Bell here as that cheap, proven veteran after he really did play very well off the bench last season. But they didn't do that either. Valdir is still a free agent as we speak here. So I guess it's it's not impossible that Green Bay could bring him back. But at this point, it does seem like Green Bay is committed to moving on from Valdir as well. And so obviously, when we get around to it, we are going to be looking at a very new situation there on the right side of the offensive line. But for now, Andrew, why don't we go ahead and start with a situation that's a little bit more stable there over on that left side? Yeah, certainly. And and of course, we're talking about David Bakhtiari, who has been one of the best left tackles in football since he entered the league in 2013. And of course, he is entering a free agent year, and that, that's going to be very important both for this organization and for David Bakhtiari himself. And I'm not sure that there's really a lot to break down here, Kyle. The Packers need a healthy Bakhtiari to succeed. And I've mentioned before that no team is going to let a 28-year-old high-level left tackle walk in free agency. That would be just absolutely asinine. I do wonder about his fit as a finesse blocker in a run-heavy scheme. You know, if you if you go and take a look at Pro Football Focus, he had a 65.8 run blocking grade, which is very middle of the NFL for tackles. Of course, his 89.8 pass blocking grade was second best of all of the tackles in the league, and that is the reason why he is elite. So it would be beyond utterly ridiculous to let him leave unless he is truly a terrible fit for Matt LaFleur's scheme and you got a ridiculous return for him. So I I definitely think David Bakhtiari is going to be back. I think he's one of the most critical players on this team. And, of course, they just don't have a replacement like no other team in the NFL has a replacement at left tackle. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we talk so much about how Kenny Clark is an essential key to this team going forward. He's got to be that building block piece. And I think that David Bakhtiari is obviously that on the offensive side, and he's got to be a priority. Hopefully the Packers don't. Get cute. That's my perspective uh, with getting both of those guys back. But obviously, David Bakhtiari is a huge piece of this team going forward uh, for years to come, hopefully. And the right side of this line is where all of those question marks do exist. And of course, that's because of that vacancy left by Brian Balaga, as we've mentioned. But the Packers 
found at least their answer for that hole when the Lions released veteran tackle Rick Wagner this spring. Green Bay swooped in and signed Wagner to a two-year, $11 million deal that pays Rick almost all of his guaranteed money in that first year. It's basically a one-year deal with a team option in year two. So while Belaga is clearly the better player still, I think the Packers saw a huge value here and Rick Wagner paying him almost exactly half as much and with really significantly less risk as far as the length of that contract goes. And I mentioned that Green Bay swooped in on Wagner with that Detroit lease. The Lions cut Wagner on March 13th. He was a Green Bay Packer on March 16th. So this was something that Green Bay felt pretty strongly about. And this comes up all the time, at least on our show. We've talked about this several times. But it's worth noting for me that Milt Hendrickson was in Baltimore when the Ravens drafted Wagner in 2013. And we've seen how much Goody has leaned on Milt with signings like Zedarius Smith already. And you have to think that he played a role in this move as well here with Wagner. Uh, but we know that Wagner is not going to be the log. I think we just need to accept that that is the case. But as a former Badger and a Wisconsin native, Wagner has said that he is really excited to be back in Wisconsin. And he's also said that he did deal with some injuries last season there in Detroit. And he's confident that he can play better this coming season. And obviously Green Bay is very hopeful that that is the case as well. So it seems like Bakhtiari and, Bakhtiari and Wagner are those starters at the ends. Andrew, how are we feeling, though, about the depth behind these two? Absolutely. And and before we get that, I just did want to mention, I think people are really hard on Rick Wagner based on the way he played in Detroit, especially last season. But one of the things that you need to consider is that Wagner did a lot of really special things in Baltimore, like you mentioned, and that made Detroit go out and make him one of the highest paid tackles in the league. And so... I'm not saying he's going to jump back to that form, but the talent is there. Um, and and definitely, you know, if he's healthy, I think he can be a much better player than some of the expectations are for him. And I do think that that's where Green Bay looked at this contract and they said, hey, we can pay this guy for one year. And if, if he ends up being the player that he has shown that he can be and the pedigree that this player is, that second year deal is going to be totally worth it and is going to be an absolute steal. So I think it's a gamble Green Bay said, hey, let's take that and see if this works out in our favor. But obviously a lot of question marks around the move, but one that could pay off in some pretty big ways here. Yeah, and so when you look at the depth, and and I've mentioned several times the tackle depth on this team, and when we were talking about depth, we're talking about just true offensive tackles. Uh, we'll talk about swing players a little bit later. Um, it's pretty thin, and and it can be kind of scary when you think about the potential for injury and or health concerns. Um, and I'm going to talk about the most experienced of those players, and that is Alex Light, who is a player the organization thought highly enough of to keep on the active roster his rookie year for the entire season, even though they knew he wasn't going to be able to really play. Um, maybe in the absolute tightest of pinches, but um, there is really no way he was ready as a rookie, but they didn't want to expose him to the practice squad and another another team swooping in and signing him. So the thought was he was a prime candidate to break out last year. 
and potentially could even be a Brian Belager replacement in his third season. Well, last year could not have gone much worse for Alex Light. <laughs> in limited action, he looked brutal. According to Pro Football Focus, he had a 46.8 grade, which is one of the worst grades of any offensive tackle in the league. Now, plenty of offensive linemen have struggled in year two, especially when it is their first pro action. Uh, TJ Lang is actually somebody I've mentioned several times before on the show who was really rough. A lot of people just wanted him jettisoned and then really turned his career around but for Alex Light it wasn't a great showing for somebody who has all of this promise and a lot of physical tools it's going to take a big bounce back from Light to be in the Packers plans moving forward but for now he looks like offensive tackle three yeah uh it's interesting that that is you know you kind of jump from the starters down to Alex Light there's a big question mark there and uh the Packers also seem bullish on Yash Nijman which Scares me personally, but nonetheless, Brian Gutekunst has had a ton of positive things to say about Yash and really sung his praises without much prompting. So I'm curious what the Packers know about Nijman that we don't. But as optimistic as they may be, Nijman is starting the season on the PUP list and after suffering that elbow injury in December. So that's not a really encouraging start to the season there. But Nijman is he's a big guy. This guy is huge. He has some great athleticism. So if the Packers were able to tap into that potential, that would obviously be great for the depth of this tackle group. But, Andrew, I'm not feeling super confident right now about just the guys that we talked about behind the starters. Do we have anyone else that could rise to the ranks and help this team? Well, and I had jumped on the the Thursday night. Today was the, the well, I should say yesterday as we're recording this. But Thursday was um, the first locker room chat that we had with Andy Herman and some of the members of Packaday Podcast. And I actually mentioned Yash Nijman as my potential breakout candidate this preseason. And you're absolutely right. He's huge. He's athletically gifted. The coaches have said a lot of really positive things. I thought last preseason he actually looked really good. Um, and I thought he had an outside chance of making the roster. And I was super pleased to see that they kept him on the practice squad. I think he fits in with Lafleur's scheme really well as that road grader at right tackle. And I think he actually has a chance to be the starter next year if they don't find what they're looking for in Rick Wagner. So I am a lot more rosy on the Yash Nijman train than a lot. Um, I think he probably has a a much higher upside than Alex Light. And I I think he has a pretty decent chance of making this roster. So um, that's, that's my, that's my dude. That's my brand, Kyle. That's exciting. I mean, you've, you've talked me into it. This is exciting. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it's fun to have some optimism around this, right? That's well, good. and just remember how bullish I was on Kendall Donerson. And right. <laughs> you have nothing but a pristine track record. <laughs> so I've never been wrong about never this. Never been wrong. So you're right, though, in, in your initial question. There are a few other offensive tackles on this roster, and they are household names, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> Travis Bruffy or Bruff, Bruffy, Bruffy, uh-huh. household. Man. Yeah, you know him. Yeah, Cody Conway, John LeGlue. He he is the glue of this. LeGlue. Uh, <laughs> so Bruffy played 46 games with 34 starts at Texas Tech. Um, all of his starts started at left tackle. That's a total uh, Brian Gutekunst brand thing. Um, helped the Red Raiders rank in the top 10 in the country in passing offense in all three of his uh, years as a starter. He was a team captain in 18 and 19. 
Um, he started all 12 games at left tackle this senior in 19 and earned second team all big 12 recognition from the conference coaches. He did play one season protecting the blind side of, of Patrick Mahomes. So, um, you know, yeah. there's something, right? Travis right. Ruffy, pretty cool. Hall of, Hall of Famer. <laughs> hey, <laughs> let's, let's not destroy these guys. Okay, sorry, man. Games. Sorry. Come on, Kyle. We're... <laughs> Not going to see these guys in preseason action at all, but, uh, right. you know, there could be something. Well, one of these guys is likely to make the practice squad. This is um, true. So we got Cody Conway, who spent the last five weeks of the regular season last year and both playoffs games on the, practice, the Packers practice squad. After he was signed in November, he originally entered the NFL as an undrafted free agent with the Tennessee Titans. So there's some recognition there with Matt LaFleur, um, or at least some connections because LaFleur was already on the Packers. Um, he was waived slash injured by Tennessee in August. He appeared in 40 games with 33 starts and four seasons at Syracuse, um, mostly at left tackle theme here right we know we know Gutekunst definitely has uh some preferences there and earned honorable mention all ACC um in his time there and then we have John LeGlue who is a pretty sweet name um he was signed from the New Orleans Saints practice squad in December he's 6'6 301 pounds he came out of Tulane originally signed as an undrafted free agent by the Denver Broncos before moving on to that Saints practice squad like I mentioned in college he played in 49 games with 38 starts mostly at right tackle um, but pretty versatile. He also played right guard, center, and left tackle in one game. Uh, so he opened all 13 games um, at right guard as a senior, and then he did play that one left tackle game um, during his junior year. So he, he's a little bit more of the versatile piece, um, but some guys that they're going to give a shot to um, as some depth pieces. So a bunch of information about a bunch of players I know nothing about, and I would be shocked if any of the three have a chance to make the active roster with Light and Nijman already in front of them. But I would say, um, you know, like like I mentioned, I think one of those three definitely has a chance at the practice squad, and the Packers will probably tell um, one of those other two to hang around a little bit because there's going to be some major roster moves in the NFL this year. So we haven't really talked about the swing tackle guys, but I think you're going to start us there, Kyle. I, I am going to start us there, but I just got really sad, like in the middle of this podcast, because this is our thing, Andrew. Every year we overanalyze everything and we get really excited about preseason football because we're going to have these guys that emerge. We're going to get to watch these games. We're going to watch like game four where nobody has any business being on the field that's actually going to make the roster. And we get all excited about this stuff because it matters for these guys that make the bottom end of your roster and then make your practice squad. And I mean, we, we, we joke about these names that you just listed, you know, Bruffy and Conway and LeGlue, great names, but we don't get any story this year of how these guys progress. Obviously in camp, I mean, we don't get the Packers on uh, hard knocks, right? So we don't get to see any of this behind the se- behind the scenes. All of a sudden, one of these guys is going to end up on the practice squad, or one of these guys is 
by some miracle is going to crack the 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 roster. But my goodness, that is that's a sad piece of all of this. Obviously, there's so many things that are bigger than football right now uh, going on in the world. But my goodness, that is that's our tradition every year is to get into this and just try to figure out who the dark horse players are going to be that come out of nowhere. So for me, I just had a little sad moment realizing that how different the process is this year. But it's sad for me, but it's even more sad for these guys who have limited opportunity to prove themselves. So I will move on and get out of my slump here and get back to talking about what we're talking about today. But um, I I told you before we started recording that I wanted to bring up John Runyon Jr. Um, I'm going to continue to be stubborn and insist that maybe Runyon, a six-round pick this spring, could take some snaps at tackle if completely necessary, even though a friend of our podcast, Joe Marino, has assured us that that is absolutely something that we do not want to see. Um, All indications are that the Packers do see Runyon as a guard, uh, but having played tackle in Michigan and being a draft pick, which the guys that you just mentioned, they're, they're not, makes me think that he could see time at tackle if things got really, really thin there. But let's just hope that that is not something that we're talking about when we get midseason, and that's something we're we're working through. Yeah, and I I do always mention that a lot of draft pundits said that David Bakhtiari was going to have to kick inside to guard because he wasn't athletic enough to play tackle, and of course it's laughable now, right? Like mm-hmm. around draft season, somebody inevitably will post one of those um, you know draft profiles of David Bakhtiari, and he'll retweet it with something snarky, right? And 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 that's exactly why you want to start guys out that you think might have the potential to play tackle there, and then kick them inside if if you have to. Uh, Deion Dawkins just signed an extension with the Buffalo Bills. Great example of that. Another player that they thought would have to play guard, mm-hmm. um, and has made a a very nice living for himself, by the way, <laughs> at tackle. And so you give them that opportunity, but. The Packers listed John Runyon a guard, and usually yeah. that's very telling. Mm-hmm. Um, they continue to do so on their official roster, and so I would imagine that he's probably going to kick inside and, and have to make a living there. But, um, you know, it, it's always worth mentioning. Guys that are versatile are more valuable on the offensive line, and so, um, you know, you may very well see John Runyon get that opportunity. Um one of the things that I wanted to talk about kind of quickly is just like, what if a tackle has to miss a game? We've talked about how this depth is a little bit scary, mm-hmm. right? We're talking yep. about guys like Alex Light. Um, as rosy a picture as I can paint of Yash Nijman, he's not ready to play right away. Um, and, you know, we're, we're talking about John Runyon Jr., who we have no idea if he's mm-hmm. capable of playing tackle at NFL level. Um but the very realistic possibility that a player would have to miss a game for a COVID test, um, a player, obviously injury is always going to be a factor when you're talking about football in general. So what do we think? You know, is Billy Tacker, uh, Billy Tacker, Billy Turner <laughs> going to have to be the swing tackle? Um, <laughs> is Lane Taylor an option there? We know he's filled in before. Uh, what, what, are, what are your thoughts on that, Kyle? Yeah, I'm not sure if this is a hot take or not. I don't feel like it is at this point, but I feel like the best 
case scenario for this team is that Lane Taylor really proves himself in training camp and steals that right guard job from Billy Turner, which would then allow Turner to focus on being a full-time swing tackle. I just think it's unreasonable to think that at some point this season, the Packers aren't going to need someone to fill in a tackle. This happens every year with injuries in a normal season, but with COVID, I think you're almost in a place where you have to expect it and plan for it. And I think Turner may be most valuable to this team as a solid backup tackle instead of an average starter at guard. And I would love it if the Packers could ask him to focus his attention on playing that crucial backup role. I have no idea how Turner would feel about that. I can't imagine he'd be super excited about it, but I do think it may be the best blueprint for this offensive line group this year, especially considering how strange of a year it's going to be. Yeah. And so I think regardless of, you know, whoever wins that right guard spot, the the Packers are going to play the the player that the best there. Um, you're going to put your best five out there, and Turner and Taylor are going to have to be ready to play some different positions. So having depth on the inside and having versatile depth will definitely play to the Packers' advantage during this very unusual upcoming season. Um, but as we've outlined. The, the depth as a true tackle is a little scary right now. And unless we see a big step forward, if Rick Wagner doesn't prove himself and he's not on the roster in 2021, the Packers are going to have a big hole to fill mm-hmm. at right tackle. And that's not even to mention the fact that right guard's going to be an issue, center's mm-hmm. going to be an issue, um, and, you know, there's the big Bakhtiari contract that's yeah. looming over the heads of this organization. Yeah. So a lot of interesting questions. Lots of questions. And uh, tackle is a fun position to talk about right now for us because we enjoy these nerdy depth conversations. Um, but <laughs> that is all the time that we have for today. So this has been the Packer Day Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore pundit and you can find me at andrew mertig remember to also follow at packet a podcast please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like we're doing um those subscriptions especially really help us out um you can catch kyle and myself every single friday and we will be back next week with another positional preview thanks for listening and as always remember Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website 
are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.